Uh, uh, how do you work this? Uh, I'm Lee Brando. This is a podcast. I'm operating equipment in Ryan's, uh, in Cheap Seat Studios. Never mind. Uh, we're gonna talk about everything WrestleMania. All the stats. I haven't slept in 144 hours because I've been awake watching, uh, WWE Network. Um, trying to follow actually the last 24 hours of that was just wrestlemania the show it's oh hey ryan how are you did you start without me uh no i didn't but we should just the mics are on so let's just talk and uh we'll go back and we'll fix it in post that's that's a terrible thing to do no it's fine you never want to fix it in post uh ryan uh this isn't a transformers movie I've never saw any of those. Is that the one with Shia LaBeouf and uh, Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox? I I think so. First two movies. I don't know. What are we talking about? Oh, this is a not a Transformers podcast. We're talking about no. We're not talking about the mania. the assorted works of Michael Bay. That's true. Maybe I don't a different. Know what else episode. he did? That's actually probably going to be when we get in the summer doldrums when we're too far away from a big pay per view. Well, all I know about Michael Bay is that he badmouthed wrestling at one point, and so I don't know. That's all I know. You got to tie everything back into wrestling. It's most of my knowledge of pop culture comes from that. Probably, I would say so. So I have a bit of a bone to pick with you, other than the fact you started recording without me Which in I my own not. house. I didn't know Cheap Seat Studios. Guess where Cheap Seat Studios is. <laughs> in my house okay how did you get in like a 90s wwf pay-per-view it's in your house oh 10 10 reference points to me we're not giving away a house or anything no uh you build up reference points and then you cash them in for prize right is this gonna be bad to do blood is that this that's the in your house we're gonna do this time no Okay. Well, no, we're that's, not going to do that one. That's too bad. Anyway, you have a bone to pick with me. I do. So pick it. So we, us normal folk, are watching WrestleMania, and I check, I check my Facebook feed, and what do I see? Lee Brando is watching the Boss Baby. What? Listen, I got, I already bought the tickets. Months in advance because I wanted to see the Boss Baby so bad. I don't even know if those tickets went on sale early. Oh, they you can find them. Uh, so I had to watch the actual WrestleMania show on uh, on demand, not live. But I successfully um, dodged all spoilers besides the Brock Goldberg match because I'm pretty sure I called it move for move last week if you want to go back and listen to that uh so you have caught up on the seven and a half hours of wrestling that was wrestlemania yes plus the pre-show which that was part of that seven and a half hours yeah i which is crazy like that's like a day of work you would have to you could call out it is literally a day of work day of where it's an average day of work take a lunch break in the middle or something essentially pit bull break 
Yeah, actually, that I think that's what everyone used that for. I probably. You got to think like you no. I mean, some did, but a lot of fans were there before the pre-show even started. So a lot of fans were there for like eight hours. Could you imagine in the hot Florida sun, no roof, just sitting there? And you wonder why they were a little tired by the end, a little quiet. My girlfriend probably would have left me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... She's probably would have been swooned by the uh, Cena Bella proposal, the totally impromptu, organic proposal that no one planned. That no one planned. That no one even there. knew about. It's a good thing Cena had, for the last year and a half has just had a ring in his pocket. It is good. That's yeah. why he's had the jorts. He's kept wearing them because he needed the pockets. Yeah, and he bumped on it. What an ass. <laughs> anyway, so. I actually did prep work. What? I did prep work for this show because I care about it and I believe in it, Ryan. Yeah, so did I. It was called watching 13 hours of wrestling in three days. No, but I uh, I got... they. It's like they always talk about the numbers and the statistics at the Royal Rumble, but really the numbers and statistics of WrestleMania are very intriguing. So I don't know where you want to start. I don't know if you want to go in chronological order, what you want to do. I'll I'll let you, you know, you're the host. I'll let you run that. Well, since it, it's a bit it's a bit predictable to go match by match straight down the card. But at the same time, you're always building to something. So, well, let's let's talk about. Why don't we talk about the pre-show as a whole, just real quick? We'll let's just, talk about we'll the first thing we saw: the stage and the stadium. Your thoughts? Seeing the whole thing complete. Um, one of my one of if not my favorite stages. Definitely. Given that I was in Florida three weeks or two weeks before WrestleMania, that kind of adds to that. But they did a wonderful job with it. They, the roller coaster that I was concerned about didn't play as much as I thought it was. It was essentially just LED lights. Yeah, and it was more of a background piece. It wasn't in the forefront of the stage at all. And like the ring on top of the ring, that was cool, but it wasn't like overemphasized. I think they played the most with the ramp which was 80, 80 yards long <laughs> as insane a, as a worker what do you think like what would you do with yourself if you walked out and you're like well i've got 80 yards to get to the ring and like none of it's covered all of it's open I would it's WrestleMania though so you, you would just soak it in i mean obviously there's not uh, the entrance of Jericho, soak it in, man. Yeah, there's not like anything you can do and prolong over that, so you really have no choice but to kind of just make your way down. They tried to do uh, some cool things, and with certain people, they started them halfway down. Like I'm pretty sure they let Jr. walk halfway down the ramp and then started playing his music and putting the lights on him. To be fair, I think that was towards the end of the show where that happened with just about everyone because they were they were already 40 minutes over time. Yeah. 
which is a problem. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that becoming the standard because well, it happened last year. It happened this year. Last year went off at a little after 1130. This year went off quarter after midnight. That's true. On the East Coast. So let me run this by you because I've heard this. Break it up into two nights, Saturday, Sunday. Do three, three and a half hours each night. No. I am staunchly against it. Only because what you end up doing is in order to make that first night worth it, you have to put one of your biggest matches, one or two of your biggest matches on that card. So you kind of burn people out a little bit night one. It's a little different with TakeOver because it's a different audience. Right. But when you split up your WrestleMania audience, you then start getting into trouble. I don't think that would work. I Or... For a wrestling fan, I'd probably enjoy it because it would be nice to see everybody get a chance to work. But at the same time, like you also have to try and do this naturally and don't overdo it because you're essentially saying, we need you for four hours on consecutive nights. At least takeovers no more than two and a half. Or start at one o'clock, go till four, take a three-hour break, start up at seven, and go to ten. Or something like that. Same problem. Because you don't want your fans to come in, get hot, and then go cold for three hours. Like, yeah, but for the live audience, that destroys it. You can't try to keep them hot for seven hours. It's It didn't work. Well, it's I think not going to work. The, the answer is kind of clear. And as a fan, I think it's clear. You've got to cut some matches off that card. Not every yeah. match needed to be at WrestleMania. And a lot of those matches didn't need the time that they got. I mean, if we're so as I'm quickly taking a look at this, I'm just going to throw out some matches that I think could have been taken off the card and nobody would have really missed it. And this is the full card pre-show and mania. And I'm going to try and get it from seven and a half hours down to four, which I think is what they've been doing that for WrestleMania for years. So uh, cruiserweight championship. Good moment. Didn't need to be on the card. Andre the Giant, I actually like the Battle Royal at WrestleMania. I think it's a good it's a good call, although it's on the pre-show, so you kind of put over guys who maybe get a bigger spot than they are ready for, or whatever the case might be. Uh, Intercontinental Championship match. Didn't need it. Could have saved it for SmackDown, which they should have done in the first place, and it turned out better. Um, as much as I hate to say it because it had the best build, Owens Jericho probably could have been on Raw. Just in quality, more than anything else. That's I'm very much on the on the fence on that one. Um needed the the champion the uh Raw Women's Championship match. You needed one of the two women's matches on the card. Um Hardy Boys ugh, ugh, feels weird saying Hardy Boys again. <laughs> the Hardys winning the ladder match for the Raw Tag Championships. Loved it all for it absolutely would have stayed uh let's see here randy orton versus bray wyatt it's a championship has to be on there lesnar goldberg has to be on there i said i'd keep the raw women's championship honestly and now that i'm looking at i would have kept the smackdown women's championship match i think it was a better match anyways um and it suited more it felt more wrestlemania worthy than the raw one did so i would drop the raw women's championship match keep seth rollins and triple h it's a good match uh, it was a big match anyways. Keep Reigns and Undertaker. So, basically, you've got... Uh, your match card would be Battle Royal, Shane McMahon, and AJ Styles. 
Hardy's in the tag team championship. Uh, I would have actually dropped Cena and <laughs> the Cena Bella. You know, you got to keep that because it was pretty short and they needed another WrestleMania moment. Uh, Orton Wyatt, Lesnar Goldberg, uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match, Reigns Undertaker. I don't that know. That might get us I... down to five. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if, know I, if I would have dropped any one match. I would have shortened some, and I probably would have put one more on the pre-show and just taken one more off of the main show. That probably would have been a good idea because the, the pre-show had three matches and a lot of dead time. A lot of talking, a lot of video packages. I would have taken the video packages off of the main show. We already saw them. Everybody knows the builds. Maybe, maybe the Triple H video package but you don't need one for every single match um um i don't know if i agree with that only because there's a lot of casual fans that buy into wrestlemania so it's really helpful to have those so there's not a point where they're like i have no idea what's going on i don't know who these people are well you certainly don't need a pitbull concert you could oh yeah we can drop that too nobody is buying wrestlemania for that that's not on the WrestleMania quick hits, and I had forgotten about it already. <laughs> yeah. Nobody asked for that. Nobody needs that. Nobody. I'm, I agree with you completely. But I also That's another shortened. way to save 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I would have shortened some. Like, we can nitpick and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot. Overall, it was a good show. Um, there was only one or two things that really stu- stood out like sore thumb. And we can go into all that, but I don't think AJ and Shane needed... They went over 20 minutes. They went 20 minutes and 28 seconds. I don't think they needed 20 minutes. That could have been a 10 to 15 minute match yeah. and it would have been fine. It ended up being a really good match though. Yeah. It's one of those where in hindsight you almost don't want to take away from it because it was good for what it was. But uh, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. They could have had just as good of a match five to 10 minutes shorter. Yeah. Uh, the Raw women's match could have been short. I would have just taken the elimination element out of it and just made it a one fall. I don't know if they didn't. They wanted to differentiate it from the SmackDown one or I think, what. I think that's exactly what it was. But that one went 12 minutes, and it it was a long 12 minutes. It started cool with everyone, uh, you know, teaming up on Nia, put her over as this monster. But then after that, like there was, I can't really remember who got eliminated next, and maybe it was Sasha, but I don't know. It just fell it was, flat. Sasha was eliminated second. I also would have shuffled the card around a little bit. I wouldn't have put Jericho and Owens on second. I think they would have had a much better reaction because they had a really good match, and I love a lot of the moments in it. But I would have put them on way later in the card. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we can pick it apart all we want. Um, we have a podcast. That's literally <laughs> what we're doing. I just, I don't know. Um, I like that they did a lot less of, you know, 20 false finishes each match, kick out of everyone's finisher. I don't know if they did any of that, really. Maybe like once or twice. In the main with Undertaker. Right, but that's the that's the time for it. Well, right, that's the story. Right. Um, but everything else pretty much ended standard. I, I actually think they caught people by surprise in the uh, Ambrose-Corbett match when it just ended after one uh, DDT. 
from Ambrose. People were waiting for the kick out because that's what they they're used to now, and it didn't happen. So there was this kind of not not a huge pop after that. Um, but yeah, that match, I that was probably the biggest casualty of this WrestleMania because it had a good build. Um, it's got the Intercontinental Title on it. Ambrose is a bona fide superstar. He was world champ like six months ago, and they built Corbin up, put him in the main event spot, shined him up real nice, um, and they had a twenty times better match on SmackDown on Tuesday. That should have been the WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. It should have been a street fight or something like that. Uh, I think they decided not to do that so that it wouldn't take away from the Triple H Rollins match and the table spot with Stephanie. But I mean, it was I, in my opinion, that was the biggest casualty of WrestleMania. I'm not a huge um, person. Uh, I, I don't I don't have the opinion that a lot of people do where if it's on the pre-show, it gets, you know, that's like saying it's not important. I don't really necessarily think that because you're still out there in front of 40 or 50,000 people, you know. Um but I certainly would have uh I don't know, done something different with the Intercontinental Championship match even if it's on the pre-show. It was just it was a nothing match. All right, so let's uh switch it up a little bit. Your favorite match on that card. That is a tough one. Um you know, I have big problems with the AJ Shane McMahon match. The match itself was good, but I believe that putting Shane in there with AJ stretches the believability factor real thin. He's a 47-year-old executive. He's not a full-time athlete. They say he trains in, you know, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu and all this. Um, I don't know. He's it's AJ Styles though. He's the best in the world currently. I would have rather eight guys like um like are we gonna get a Shane McMahon match every year now? Because that's just one less spot for a Samoa Joe or a Braun Strowman. That's all I can really see. He's the next Undertaker. Uh, <laughs> like. Maybe put him on a, a SummerSlam or a Royal Rumble would be a good, really good spot. They could have ran this angle at the Royal Rumble and had uh, AJ and Shane do this match there and then build to WrestleMania with AJ and somebody else. Uh, I would even watch AJ and Ambrose again. Maybe you know, maybe a three-way or something. But I think with the with the part-timers, you know coming in like are we gonna get a triple h match each year are we gonna get a shane match each year um because i think that would really take away and especially like goldberg that's another spot that was taken away so you ended up having all these people in the andre that you know should have been on the main show and then you had guys like samoa joe who didn't get a spot at all like you know, hopefully he'll get on there next year, but it could have been Samoa Joe versus Rollins, you know. Uh, it could have been, they could have done an uh, interpromotional match like they used to. One one match on the card 
Raw versus SmackDown. I mean, some of the best matches in the history of WrestleMania were that. Uh, we uh, we watched the Kurt Angle Shawn Michaels match from WrestleMania 21, one of the greatest matches of all time, and that was a crossover match between the brands. So I think when you take out the part timers, you open up a ton of room for some really cool stuff. And you're making stars. Yes, I know that when you put Triple H in a match, there's more attention on it and it has a bigger feel because he's in it. But if you put somebody else in that same match, you're you're making them the next Triple H. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, w- I would have changed around. Overall, the card was good. And I liked the Triple H match. I liked the Shane match. I liked the Goldberg match. I just feel like a lot of people got gypped out of this WrestleMania. Shane McMahon is 0-3 at uh, at WrestleMania, so he's going the reverse Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. I did make a comment while uh, watching WrestleMania, and I'd heard it before, and uh, so I can't say I take complete credit for thinking about it, but Shane McMahon might be the greatest enhancement talent we've ever seen. Yeah, but I don't think AJ needs any enhancing. I don't think so either, and I don't think it was like it's a squash match, like a, uh, you know, a, a situation where you bring in just to enhance a guy. But I mean, if you think about it, as the one taking the fall in that match, you're enhancing the other talent. Yeah. So. And then to your point, I just want to go back. You look. I don't think any wrestling fan, any like hardcore wrestling fan, was was really interested in the Cena-Bella match. I mean, they tried. The promos were really good, and those were entertaining. And The Miz and Maurice did their part to make people want to watch it. But the actual match itself, it's a mixed tag. It went, uh, it went nine and a half minutes, and everyone knew that it was just, you know, the appetizer to the entree that was the proposal. Um, believe it or not, that got the most attention over Gronk overtaker retiring the Cena proposal uh got the most searches on Google uh you know the it, they talked about it on the Today show on NBC the following morning i mean that was the major headline to come out of this WrestleMania so you know hate to admit but you know Vince was right he knows how to get buzz I don't know if that's the kind of buzz that wrestling fans appreciate in fact I know it's not but it it did what it was meant to do well Wrestlemania is a spectacle and it's a spectacle it certainly was with uh Al Roker as the special guest <laughs> ring announcer chocolate thunder yeah it's it's like a couple years ago two or three years ago I remember a rumor went out in about February that Vince McMahon was trying to get Justin Bieber to sing uh, America the Beautiful to open WrestleMania. And everyone was like, oh, this is crap. Nobody wants Justin Bieber on a wrestling show. Yeah, but do you know how many eyes that would have put or how many headlines people would see the word WrestleMania that had no idea what wrestling was because they were crossing over from the Justin Bieber fan fan base, which I assume is the exact opposite of the wrestling fan base, but I could be wrong. Well, you know that they were working on uh, a Justin Bieber SummerSlam match against Bray Wyatt, right? This is the first I'm hearing of this. There there was more to it. Go look it up. It's very interesting to hear about this. And 
Vince McMahon almost had everything put together and it didn't quite come together. But can you imagine? This would have been 2012, 2013. Oh, this would have been real early in the Bray Wyatt run. And you know how celebrities work. They always go over the talent. So <laughs> imagine, like, you think Bray Wyatt's disrespected now. <laughs> Oh, did you know? It must have been a like a decree from Vince, but it was never referred to as the Camping World Stadium. It was only referred to as the Citrus Bowl. Well, it technically still is the Citrus Bowl. That's the name of the building. Right. Camping World does not sponsor anything WWE. So I'm sure that's part of the legality of using that stadium. The one thing, if you remember... I'm, I'm just thinking back to what other stadiums are called, what they were called. Ford Field at uh, in Detroit. It didn't go by any other name, so it was just Ford Field. Or so like they made AT&T it work. AT&T Stadium. AT&T t- stadium. But I did mean, they call it Mercedes-Benz Superdome, or did they just call it Superdome? I it's can't just remember. the Superdome. Yeah. So, so they're just calling it the Superdome. So if it's, got a, if it's got an additional name, they'll just use it. But if the sponsor is the name, like full stop, They'll use it. I, if I remember right, um, they had to call it Levi's Stadium out in Santa Clara for 31. Yeah. So, I mean. And it's, MetLife Stadium. and Right. So, I mean, it, if they had another name, it's one thing, but most of them don't. Right. So, and Camping World Stadium does sound kind of dumb, so I understand. I just thought it was funny. Like, n- nobody one time said it. Well, you know Vince and his branding. Yeah. He won't brand for anyone else. <laughs> but, you know, sh- superstar shakeup that you're going to hear a thousand more times. Not a time draft. Week. Superstar no, shakeup. Not a draft. Not practice. Uh, but I do have some uh, intriguing trivia about this WrestleMania. Uh, WWE claimed it set the Citrus Bowl uh, attendance record was 75,245. Uh, it's confirmed that 63,100 were paid, so that leaves 12,145. Now, they do count uh, ticket takers, ushers, uh, t-shirt salespeople, the wrestlers, the referees, ever all the staff is counted, but that can't really be more than like, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000. So there's probably about 10,000 just thrown in there for fluff. Uh, they do inflate the numbers, and there is no third party uh, verifying that. I think the only time they gave a legit number was WrestleMania 29 at MetLife because there was so much press there, they knew they couldn't get away with it. So I think they gave a legit number there. Um, interestingly, you know, in- interestingly enough, uh, Citrus Bowl was renovated since they were last there at WrestleMania 24, and due to the renovation and the staging that was involved this year, there was 5,000, about 5,000 less seats available this year than at WrestleMania 24, even though they claim that this year had a bigger crowd than WrestleMania 24. The live gate was $14.5 million. Um... This is second only to last year's WrestleMania, where the live gate was seventeen point three million, uh, which, makes year, sense. which makes AT&T sense. Which makes AT and T Stadium <laughs> does actually hold hundred thousand people. Yeah, um, yeah. There was about thirty thousand less people here, um, and to offset that, the ticket prices at this year's WrestleMania were much higher. 
than last year's. Uh, at WrestleMania 31 at Santa Clara at Levi Stadium was 12.6 million as a comparison. Now, it is uh, interesting to note that WWE does uh, count uh, ticket surcharges and um, what do they call them when you buy them online? It's like a convenience fee or something like that. Uh, they do count that into the ticket price. Um, even though that does not go to them, that goes to the ticketing company. Most sporting events do not count that. Um, WrestleMania was the number two Google search over the weekend, and Cena and Nikki Bella were the number number three. Uh, I don't know what number one was, but it was probably something unrelated like Trump or something, which isn't really that unrelated. Um. Let's see here. What other interesting facts? I don't know. Are these boring you, or is this something? You... I'm just. I'm. You. You did say that you did your prep work, and I did. Um, this like, is. Um... I was just going to spout opinions, but you brought all this. Well, I feel like people should you. people should come here to learn a little bit, and then have it just clouded and flushed out by a bunch of unqualified opinions. <laughs> I mean, welcome to the world of podcasting. Yes. Uh, this is the sixth year in a row that WrestleMania was headlined by one or more part-timers, um, now, which is the, crazy. The specific of what you just said was main evented by... The only reason... I, I want to point that out because WWE will brand everything as saying, there's six main events, you know, some right. stuff like I'm that. I'm saying last show on the last show you see last match on the card and that was this time reigns and undertaker undertaker of course being the part-time talent right now the last time this happened so the the last wrestlemania that was two full-timers was cena versus miz at wrestlemania 27 every every year since then has been one or more part-timers in the main so cena and rock for 28 and 29 mm-hmm. uh 30 was Batista, Randy Orton, and Daniel Bryan. Mm -hmm. 31 was Brock Lesnar, Reigns, and then eventually Seth Rollins. Correct. 32 was uh, Roman and Triple H. And, Mm -hmm. of course, 33 was Reigns and uh, and Undertaker. I'm starting to notice a trend on those main events. Third main event in a row that involved (laughs) Roman Reigns. Speaking of which, um, with that, he's put himself in a very exclusive club. I mean... It's an exclusive club to main event WrestleMania. Be the last show on the card, the the closeout show. But he has put himself in a club that's main evented it not once, not twice, but three or more times. The only other people that have main evented WrestleMania three or more times were Stone Cold with three, Undertaker with four, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, and John Cena with five apiece. Triple H with seven, and the all-time king of WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan, with eight WrestleMania main events. And I would be willing to bet that all eight of them were the first eight WrestleManias. Well, Well, no. No, it couldn't have been the first eight, because he was in the main event at WrestleMania 9. So there's something missing. There was the the WrestleMania 4. WrestleMania 4, which which was was the tournament. And ended with DiBiase and Savage. And then that year-long program where the mega powers were together. And then they fought over Miss Elizabeth. And then they 
they main event of WrestleMania five. Good That's angle. Right. But yeah, so one through S- nine, slow. nine kind of shoehorned in there. And and to your point, um, we had talked about this slightly because the last time a, a part timer had main event of WrestleMania besides the last six years was. Um, I believe it was WrestleMania 11, Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow. So it's like 16 years uh, before the last part-timer. Now, WrestleMania 9, you could at that point consider Hulk Hogan a part-timer in that main event. Yeah, that was the point that I had made. It's kind of a gray was, area. Because it was – he he came back to work full-time, but he was really only there for like four or five, maybe six months. Right, right. So, so. it – that gets skewed, but technically he was there as a full-time worker. Right. So Now, it's also important to mention the first WrestleMania was headlined by a part-timer, Mr. T. So this is a long-standing tradition. It's just it's happened a lot more frequently the last six years. Um, and I don't know if that hurts making stars or not. I feel like it does. In my opinion, it does. It hurts making new stars. Well, and because you look at now, I can remember back uh, watching in the late two thousands, um, you know, somewhere between two thousand eight, two thousand ten, somewhere in that region, and specifically, I think I remember it was when the Hardys left the first time, and uh, well, the most recent first time, right? Uh, they've left a few times, but uh, when the Hardys left, it was well, why not give more part time contracts? And, you know, Rob Van Dam had left within a couple of years prior to that. Um, Chris Jericho had come back, but I think he was kind of off and on for a little bit after that. He left, but when every time Chris Jericho has come back, he's gone full time. He's done the house shows. He's done every Raw. He's done every pay-per-view. And then he always ends up staying like a month or two longer than he was originally intending. He he pretty much stretches it and does as much as he can before Fozzie has to go on tour. Right. Well, my point, though, being that WWE used to never offer those kind of contracts, at least no. not in that era, because it was, you know, you're either here or you're not, and that's just the way it is. And it was so many guys who could have done on lighter schedules or, you know, could have worked six months and then taken a couple of months off and come back, you know, guys who, for whatever reason, didn't want that full 365 grind that you yeah. were required to do at the time. But then they, I think it all really started to change with The Rock. The Rock comes back, obviously not as full-time, but he's in the WWE again, and he starts wrestling matches. And not long after that, within a couple of years, Lesnar's back. And now you start seeing all these guys who are a lot more loose with their contracts as far as the dates they have to run or how, how long their contracts are. Yeah. You know, it's it's very interesting because that's something you really wanted around 2008, 2009. Now we've gotten it so much that I wonder if it's really a good thing to a degree. Like as a wrestling I, fan, what knowing that Brock Lesnar's around, even if he's only around a part of the time, still makes me want to watch a little bit more. You know, just because yeah. it's a spectacle. It is, but I really don't like when they put the titles on them. Because I don't like the fact that your champion comes in once every three to six months to defend it. I would much rather, like, if they had the whole deal, the whole multiple-year deal with Lesnar, 
I would much rather them squeeze all of those dates into one year, build up a one year long storyline from, you know, the day after Mania to the next Mania. And he can be champion for that whole year. But then at that next Mania, he drops it to, you know, fill in the blank Rollins or Wyatt or some younger guy that's going to be there full time for the next 10 years, five to 10 years. I think you would get more out of that. Now, you know, I don't I don't know the numbers. They don't release the numbers. I I'm not sure. I mean, yes, yeah, certainly at the beginning when Lesnar came back, the ratings got a boost, but the ratings have been pretty stagnant or, you know, pretty status quo whether Lesnar's on the show or not. So I I, I think that has diminishing returns, and especially when you have a handful of part-time guys. You know, when you, when you have Lesnar and Goldberg both part-time and you're trying to build this angle to WrestleMania, I mean, they did a good job, but who is it really helping? It's helping no one until somebody dethrones Lesnar, you know. I don't disagree, although you do have kind of a mix of a lot of people who are worthy of a title shot on Raw right now, uh, which will swing into that momentarily. So you can play that story out over, you know, Lesnar's really the top of the mountain. you got to work harder to get there, you know, just to make that build a little bit more. You can build a lot of story out of what they're doing right now. Yeah. Now, that being said, uh, before we move on to the Raw and SmackDown news, Undertaker has retired from all, 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 all signs point to we have just seen the last match for one of the greatest characters in pro wrestling. Yeah, it was, um, it was really, uh, bittersweet. I don't know if that's even the right word. Obviously he can't wrestle forever. Obviously, his last two or three WrestleManias haven't been his best. You know, uh, I don't think he was ever going to top the first one with Sean at WrestleMania 25. Um, and he really shouldn't try because, you know, you should be happy with that. Um, from what I understand, Vince McMahon believed that 30 was going to be his last one. So he was trying to get the uh, the... He was trying to liquidate the streak, right? Because he wasn't going to have another chance. Then Taker said he could come back. They put him with Bray. Then Taker said he could come back. He was pretty confident about that. And they brought him back with uh, Shane and the Hell in a Cell. And he took off the gloves there. And it was thought that that was going to be the last one. But, you know, I think, I think, take, I think Mark Calloway really enjoys becoming the undertaker and going out there at WrestleMania I think his body broke down well before his heart and I think they kind of put that story into the Reigns match I was fine with Reigns going over uh I would have loved if they had just done some a little thing just change it up just a little bit instead of well, one Superman punch and one spear doesn't win, so I'll do four Superman punches and four spears. Just do give me something. Well, to be fair, he tried. He couldn't get him up for the tombstone. Right, and then there's all this, well, Taker didn't get up for him, or that's how it was supposed to look. I, I don't care, you know? 
if if you can't get into it by reversing it, beat them up and pick them up normally. You certainly can do that, right? So, you know, but The Undertaker did retire. The match was what it was. Um, He, you know, left all his gear in the middle of the ring. I wasn't sold that it was his last match until he got out of the ring and went over to Michelle McCool and gave her a kiss because I'm pretty sure that's the first time that he's broken character and he's been in the WWE in a main event spot since 1991. Longer than I've been alive. So... It's not longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so that sold it for me. Um, and I'm not sure what you do from here. I'm not sure if you put him in the Hall of Fame next year or you wait a little bit or you start, now that he's retired, do you just blow it open and do the introspective documentary where he's being you know, interviewed as himself? Um, I'm not sure what you do, but I think that... He's got to be the longest running um, main event star, money-making, headlining star in the history of professional wrestling. I know that Bruno did it, but Bruno was only, you know, he, he was champion for eight years, and then he had to come back for four, so you put that together and then, he he was a main event star in between that time, so maybe fifteen years, sixteen years. Uh, you know, you could probably even stretch it to twenty, but twenty five, twenty six years. I don't think anybody can hold a candle to that um, at that level. Yeah, I would I would fully agree with the sentiment. Um, so basically, in in to summarize, we witnessed the greatest professional wrestler of all time retire as far as longevity longevity and gimmick probably the greatest gimmick character we've ever seen Vince's greatest creation because he really only even if you look at the evolutions of that character he really only had two distinct characters during his entire WWE run right over all that time and it was obviously you know dead man undertaker uh, and Biker Undertaker. Right. Now, Dead Man Undertaker went through a few different variations, but it was, at its core, the same character. Yeah. It was just different interpretations of said character, whereas it's really hard to have that same kind of gimmick go for as long as it did. Yeah, and it was always interesting to see what he was going to do, because he was never, especially the last, you know, couple of years where he just did Wrestlemania he was never the same Undertaker when he came back there was always something slightly different or majorly different about him that one time he was the shredder yeah (laughs) um and and it was really cool because he started off and he was cartoony right I almost liken it to like when Marvel went to like the ultimate universe because he was like cartoony to begin with and then the Attitude Era hit and then he became this very serious and dark uh, and speaking in tongues and holding seances and satanic character. And trying to sacrifice Stephanie McMahon. Right. So like he was scary to begin with and then that made him like scary but like edgy. And then... um, and then I I heard a rumor that the only reason he went biker was because 
he, that was the deal that him and Vince made. He was going to go to WCW, but Vince said, listen, if you stay, I'll give you more, you know, room to play with your character. So that's what happened. And then, of course, that that ran its course, and he got buried by Kane and came back as the dead man returned. But this time, it wasn't like before, right? I mean, even though you had Paul Bearer and everything come back for a little bit, it was this more of a legendary you know, dead man, like, um, kind of like, you know, gunman, like old West last style, outlaw. last outlaw type thing. Right. And he ran that. And then he, he got like in really good shape, <laughs> like from, I would say WrestleMania 23 to about WrestleMania 26, seven, somewhere in there. Well, that's what happens when you're just carrying WrestleMania cards. <laughs> you get shape, you get in good shape. Yeah, he like got super lean. Um, you know, wore like full body tights instead of leather pants, or and didn't have like the baggy shirt or anything. Uh, just in really good shape, much more athletic. Um, you know, that's the thing. He's he's. I think he's legit six nine. If not, he's six seven, six eight. He's a big dude, and to do the some of the things that he does is just insane. And he, I mean, obviously he's paying for it now. He's uh, he's in a lot of pain. He got minor surgeries over the last couple of years just to alleviate some of that pain. But I think it's time for him to get the big one and uh, actually feel comfort and, and, and be able to move around without being in pain. I think every wrestling fan wants that for him because they respect him. So, yeah, it, I mean, there's all these things going on. I don't think we'll ever stop talking about The Undertaker. Uh, it was definitely an emotional night. Uh, I mean, you were you were at my place for it. We had some some pretty diehard wrestling fans there, and then we had people that were casual, and then we had people that had never watched wrestling before. Which is weird because you weren't there because you were watching The Boss Baby. Right, I was just hanging out with friends. Right, <laughs> correct. Um, so, but to my point, it's like you know, throughout the show, some people were into it. Some people got up and walked around and got food and whatever or some some things were taken not seriously and some things were like oh that's a cool spot but when the dead man retired that whole stretch which must have been you know six to ten minutes of just him going taking off the gloves and the rope and walking and looking around just silence all eyes on the tv just silence even if you'd never watched wrestling before you understood somehow that this was important, this was legendary, this was a moment that no one will ever forget, and to wrestling fans, probably one of the biggest moments in WrestleMania history. It was a moment, to say the least. It was one of those things where he could have just continued just wandering around the ring for another half hour, and it, remember, at this point, it's already after midnight, and I would have sat there for another half hour and just kept watching. Oh, he yeah. could have gone, he could have hugged every front row person. It would have been weird, but, <laughs> and super out of character, but I would have sat there and watched it because, you know, the anytime you see a legend walk away, no matter the circumstances, it's tough. And just in the last seven or eight years, it's, uh, we've had some, some big ones that have walked away. Shawn Michaels, who, you know, was my favorite wrestler, walked away in 2010 and I sat and I watched every moment of it 
and I backed it up and I watched it again. Just yeah. everything after that match. Ric Flair, sort of, um, which was still an amazing moment. And in WWE canon, he retired. Um, Edge. Edge, which caught everybody by surprise. And yeah. I had become a massive uh, Edge fan, an Edgehead, if you will, um, over over the time. Because he was such a good heel. Yeah. Uh, but there was something truly intriguing about The Undertaker. Because you knew that was as close as you're going to get to that big raw like retirement moment that Flair had, that Michaels had, that uh, Edge had, Daniel Bryan had just last year. Yeah. You're not going to get those kind of moments for I don't The Undertaker. Think I think there should be an air mystery around it. I mean, obviously you got to put him in the Hall of Fame, but I don't know if his acceptance speech is just coming out as The Undertaker and just tipping his hat and walking back. You know, I don't think that's going to be how that goes. I think it'll be some... I don't think they won't, they won't induct him next year. I really don't see it. I nobody, very few would be more worthy. But this is one where I think, and I think he would agree with with the sentiment. Uh, give it, give it time, five, ten years. Let some time go by, and then when he comes out and does it, it's you don't lose that character. You right. don't lose it. It's still there, and he can come out and he can talk and just because the character was so important and he believed it too from everything you've ever heard about the guy that character was so important that's why there's no undertaker twitter page or right. facebook page you know there's no there's no instagram with him it's it was so the character i mean in a way kayfabe died on sunday night because that was the last i feel like that was the last mainstream bit of kayfabe that Complete and, and utter the Hardys kayfabe. being unbroken. <laughs> well, that and the Hardys being unbroken, kind of being fixed. I don't know. <laughs> They're not be. They haven't been completely fixed. If you've heard some of their uh, interviews since then, you know uh, what I would like, and this is totally unrelated. You know, you remember Matt Hardy's old theme song, "Live for the Moment." Yes, I think that was Monster Magnet. Yes, I I would love if the legal battle or whatever subsided. And they went with the broken thing, and they just did a piano slower version of that. And at the part where it goes like, um, it was crystal, crystal clear. Oh yeah, go. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah. then he comes out. I, I mean, I'm not sure about all that. Um, I would pop huge for it. I bet you would. Uh, all right, so we spent most of our time talking about WrestleMania. Let's do some quick hits on Raw and SmackDown because, as we know, especially if you're the markiest of marks, that um, the Raw after WrestleMania is always a big deal. Now you've got Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania, which are both really big deals. I thought they executed very well between yeah. the two nights. I, Raw felt I was worried little... that they weren't going to give SmackDown the same treatment, but I was happy that they they did raw felt a little shallow just because you knew smackdown was coming the next night so i feel like they didn't want to kind of do everything all the same night i'm trying to think because well, there's can... there's one thing that bothered me about both shows and that was the commentators opening it by acknowledging that the crowd was gonna be hot but they acknowledged it by by saying well they're gonna boo people they normally cheer and cheer people they normally boo 
I don't I think believe, so. I believe your message to me was, it's Bizarro World. No, no. That's what they said. I know. That's they what call saying. it bizarre. Only the WWE would call their core audience who drives their revenue, who watches them, and is passionate about being a fan. Only WWE would call their main fans Bizarro World. Well, except for Canada, which they've called Bizarro World for two decades now. That's true. Um, Anybody that doesn't cheer Roman is Bizarro World. Which is... 95% of the audience now. So right. I don't think that's too bizarre anymore. But really, I think the only thing that I really want to say about Raw is that opening segment. Because I don't really think anything else happened on Raw that... Um, A couple things I want to hit on, but continue your point. I mean, as far as that Raw after Mania... I know that, you know, the revival got called up and that was super Hang cool. Hang on. Spoiler okay. alert. We're getting there. But, but really that opening 15 minutes or whatever where Roman just stood out there and the crowd was so loud and vulgar. And <laughs> there was absolutely an F you or an F Roman. Uh, or it was it F you Roman. It was and then F-U there was Roman. also shut the F up before he had said anything. Which, yes, which was, this is where it being on cable is okay. For those of you who don't know, um, we'll run through this very quickly. Uh, On cable, you do not have the same rules that you do on network television. Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, the CW, those networks have to abide by FCC law, meaning that they cannot use certain words in any circumstance. However, the USA Network is on cable which does not have to abide by FCC law. This is a weird topic we're talking about, but I do want to get through this because it is important. The only reason they do is because the sponsors keep them, make them essentially do it. Right. The sponsors are the ones who are adversely affected if something goes crazy. That's why you can watch a, a network, for example, like Viceland. They are a lot less strict about what they say. They really only bleep a couple of words. They only censor a few words, but the rest of it they let you run with. USA runs by the network model. However, it's not the end of the world if fans start chanting obscenities. So Right, there's a certain point where... That's why the whole audio didn't go completely blank. And I guarantee you, Kevin Dunn had his finger over it, ready to... Well, maybe not Kevin Dunn. A lackey in Kevin Dunn's trailer. <laughs> had their finger over that button, ready for it. And they had to make a decision on the spot, whether to let it go quiet or let the fans get it out of their system. Somebody asked me, do you think uh, Vince is livid or overjoyed? And I would say overjoyed because if he was livid, you wouldn't have heard anything the crowd said. They would have muted it, absolutely muted it, which they've done for uh, Roman in the past. Right. But just to, you know, touch on what you said, I I think there's a certain point on cable where you're going to do a big enough rating that your sponsors are going to get enough you know, people to see their commercial or whatever that they don't necessarily care as much. Like I remember Breaking Bad, that was the hottest show on television. And I think they got one F word per season on average, but that was just, and that was only later the first two seasons, three seasons, maybe not. So, but that was only later when everybody was watching the show. So the sponsors of that show and AMC were like, you know what? We're fine with it (laughs) because you know, X amount of millions of people are watching. Well, to bring this back to wrestling, DX 1997 
when they initially started doing their bits, the USA was really hot on WWE and said they need to stop. They need to, uh, they can't keep doing this. And DX turned it around and took the letter that USA sent to WWE um, and uh, basically read it on television and proceeded to say everything they weren't allowed to say. The network people loved it and they let them, they gave them a lot less they were able to kind of open up the leash a little bit so right. it wasn't as bad so if you pull ratings cable networks don't care as much however don't expect to see that on a regular basis you won't see no, it all not especially with the ratings that raw and smackdown have been pulling on average the last couple of years yeah so uh but best promo of roman reigns career five uh, yeah, words yeah it's up there and, and this is my we, yard now is this a is this a heel turn? I've heard people call it a definite heel turn, and I've heard people call it they're just going to do, uh, they're just going to keep going the direction they're going, and fans can be on board or not. Well, darn if you can't tune, darn if it doesn't make you want to tune in next week to find out. Right. Yeah. So for that, they've done a wonderful job. Uh, the Hardys get a weird introduction, but an introduction nonetheless, massive pop as they basically pull over the club, Gallows and Anderson, a couple of good brothers there. Yeah. Um, Vince McMahon names Kurt Angle general manager. I did, yeah, I I did like that a lot. Um, and we saw it kind of coming, I, but I at liked the same when time, he was out there and the crowd was chanting "Roman sucks," and he goes, "Well, that's how you really feel." <laughs> Vince, I think, is at the point where it's just he knows that crowd's going to be raucous no matter what, so it doesn't necessarily hurt him to play into it. Uh, how did you feel about him showing up in the limo before coming out? I felt that was a little weird. Like, we, everyone that's there certainly knows what he does. It made me pop. I popped. You I popped it? for him coming out of the limo. Because, like, you're looking at it like, who's coming out? Because you really don't know. Right. And you're looking at it like, well, who's it going to be? Oh, uh, well, this must be Finn. You know, it must be this, must be that. And Vince McMahon pops out, and then you're like, oh, snap. Well, you know he's coming out to the ring, so... It's almost one of those things where you got two pops out of it instead of just one. Yeah, I've heard it explained two ways. And one is, I think it's really funny that the thought of Vince McMahon like having to run out to the parking lot to get in a limo to drive back in, which is funny. And then I've heard it put probably the best way that puts me at peace is um, Mr. McMahon Correct. showed up. Correct. Doesn't matter if Vince was there or not, but Mr. McMahon showed up, and yeah. that's why they did that. Well, yeah, Vince, Mc, uh, Mr. McMahon will always get out of the limo. Yeah, first to make sure that everyone knows. So it, it fits Vince his McMahon character. crashes a Bentley. Mr. McMahon shows up in the limo. Correct. Um, and Mr. McMahon gets upset when people are cheering that his daughter went through a table. Yeah, I <laughs> he like didn't that. stay mad at that for very long. Yeah. He start I will say that was a wonderful progression as he was like, What's wrong with you people? Yeah. She could be really hurt and everybody popped. Only only Vince McMahon would think of the idea, let me throw my daughter under the bus to get some to get a to get a cheap pop. Yeah, I liked it because he was he started it by saying like something really tragic happened last night and I guess people thought I thought maybe he's talking about the Undertaker, I'm not sure. And then he goes into the Stephanie thing and it's just like Oh my God! What this guy? He uh, still got it. And then I popped huge for Teddy Long. Oh, it was though, the greatest uh, thing, even though he continues to put his nose in your business. That's why I popped because I was like, I was right all along. He he puts his nose in everyone's business where it doesn't belong, and uh, we'll see if he puts his nose in my business again. 
uh, at ACW in Hagerstown coming up in a couple weeks. Because uh, let me tell you something, if he does, I'm not going to be as nice as Mr. McMahon was to him. Is this breaking news? Are you confirmed for the show now? <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> Maybe we should get that confirmation before we start plugging it. I was asked by a certain someone. That's fine. We'll leave it at that. Are you good for Hagerstown? So I'm taking that as a yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get that confirmed. I'll plug ACW anyways because yeah, they're a good it's promotion. A good, yeah, I love ACW. So um, anyways, to the points I wanted to hit, The Revival makes their debut massive. They're, they're already over, at least with that crowd. Um, and not only did they make their debut – they make their debut and win going over against the New Day. And as good heels do, they put in the beating on the New Day and beat up Kofi Kingston for good measure. So, pretty good start. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked that start. I've heard rumors that the um, New Day are be will be heading to SmackDown. So, I don't know if there's going to be any chance to, uh, you know, get the receipt on that beatdown. Um I'm not sure about the whole superstar shakeup thing anyway, because it just seems so sudden. Maybe don't do it right after WrestleMania. <laughs> They've kind of flirted with that. They remember they used to do the draft within a few weeks after WrestleMania. I yeah. think it's a, a good time. Well, if you want to do longer builds, it makes a lot of sense because now you're kind of building towards SummerSlam. So right. we'll talk about the logistics of that in a minute. Just because I want to get to yeah finn balor returns which we've known for weeks that he's back he's healthy he's ready to go but they held him off until the uh jericho gets knocked out of the tag team match where he was supposed to team up with rollins against owens and smojo balor then is put in his place and everyone in the building knew balor was coming out and still exploded when he came out i'm excited to see finn back we're, Although oddly, are they teaming, dropping the demon thing, or is that just? For, I think that's pay per views. I think that's big matches okay. only. Um, it's kind of where he was, anyways. He he came out as himself, you know, and then he would do the paint and do a little bit more for those bigger matches. But teaming with the man who put him on the shelf for like eight months and nobody mentioned it, yeah, nobody had a problem with it. A little weird. Little weird, and um. I guess they tried to set up, like, what's next for Lesnar? Because that's the most important thing is what's next for the title, right? Roman Reigns, apparently. Is it or, Roman or, or is Braun it Braun Strowman? Because my thinking was, you know, Lesnar-Roman's going to be the main event of WrestleMania 34. But if they decide to pull the trigger early on that, I won't be upset because I, I really wouldn't care for it as waiting till WrestleMania, you know? That would be a build that I don't see going well. Cause, I like, don't think so. Because you know they would want to put Roman as the face because he's going to be there every week. Right. So it's hard if you're the heel and you're the one who's there every week, at least from, from a fan's perspective. Uh, let's switch over to SmackDown. The The return of Eric Rowan, which kind of got lost in everything, is... I feel like it's just too repetitive at this point. Every mo- Every member of the Wyatt family returns this exact way. And I feel like it's really like Luke Harper has a long ladder to climb to make himself a star independent of Bray Wyatt. Rowan has a you like Rowan has to do double or triple the footwork that Luke Harper has to do, which is a lot. So I just I fear for Eric Rowan's career. 
I would agree completely as Eric Rowan was then fed to the wolves later in the night. Uh, like, why did... Like, everyone involved with the Wyatt family, while they're involved with the Wyatt family, did just Did we not so even bad. talk about Orton Wyatt on WrestleMania and how let down I was by it? We briefly touched on it, and that's as far as we should go, because nobody cares. <laughs> that just, match is so, so bad. Maybe use that special effect for the entrance. Probably would have been better, except for, I don't know. That was just weird know. all around. Let's get past our disappointment. <laughs> um, the uh, Kurt Hawkins comes out. And we get the uh, debut of one perfect ten, yeah. Ty Dillinger, which I popped. I popped. I huge. popped. I liked. Uh, I liked the fact that whoever the open challenge ones, open challenge was, only had ten seconds to come out, <laughs> and didn't even wait that long. No. It was a nice setup, though, because I didn't. Is you only... have till the count of ten, and then his music immediately hit, so you didn't have long enough to think about who it would be. Yeah, you, you didn't have long enough to be like, oh, that ten, <laughs> you know. Um, the only thing I didn't like is like Kurt Hawkins has been such a jobber recently. You mean his entire run? Like, but the fact that Ty was in there with him for like a few minutes, where he's been beaten in one second, you know, uh, that was the only thing. But I guess it was just to showcase everything that Ty Dillinger does and get the tens over and all that. So, I mean, I was cool that I'm happy to see him finally on the main roster. Like, what an amazing feeling it must be for him. Remember when he was Stan and he got super kicked by Shawn Michaels you just in 2006? I just kicked stand. I didn't I had to go back and see that when I finally when I got familiar with NXT and who Ty Dillinger was. Yeah. I had to go back and look at that. And then like what a crazy career he's had. He seems like now not continuously, but he seems like he's been in WWE developmental for about 15 years. He's he's been yeah. I he was in OVW, wasn't he? Probably. He, he was in yeah. OVW at one he point. He was in FCW, and he's in NXT for a while, and he's probably in OVW too. I think, from what I can tell, from things I've heard and seen from Twitter, and from what other you know, may, what other wrestlers have said in WWE right now, I don't think there's anybody else on that in that roster on the company payroll who people were more happy to see finally get a chance than Ty Dillinger. Right, and hopefully he can uh, really do something with it. I would hate for him to be a Tyler Breeze or an Apollo Crews or something like that. Unfortunately, I'm afraid we're due for one of those, and I'm afraid that's him because I I really hope it's not because he's got a good gimmick and the 10 chance will be around for a long time. Remember, the yes chance, I think, are what really pushed Daniel Bryan over the edge. Right, and that's like when eventually Bobby Roode does come up, he's going to be a megastar just because of the theme song. (laughs) You know, Right, well, you remember... Fandango completely got completely over at first just because of his theme song. Right, it didn't but, carry because that character was never going to have the legs. But his, ironically. it was differently. Like his theme song got over, but he, he never integrated into it. He didn't do anything special with the theme song. That's why I think the you, whole identity of the glorious song is Bobby Roode. You can hear Fandango's theme and not really think about Fandango. You can't hear glorious and not think about Bobby Roode. Well, that's where I think Dillinger with the 10 chance is going to work out really well because you know at least one match every time every smackdown it's just going to have 10s everywhere and it's going to catch. Well, it's already like It's already there. The last it's couple been there probably since, since the Royal Rumble at least. Every time somebody does 10 punches or is outside the ring, a crowd is always doing 10. Especially Smarky Towns. Yeah. 
So he's already over. He's just arrived to the show. <laughs> so, uh, yes, finally. They've been chanting for him forever. Uh, and he finally arrived. Wait, so Raw, the only call-up we got was Revival, right? Emma made her return. That's right. And Emma Finn made her made return, return in Kurt, Kurt Angle. Angle. Yeah. So, so there were a couple. But as far as NXT call-ups, it was really only the Revival. SmackDown had two. And the second one Arguably is the— bigger than the Revival. <laughs> Arguably bigger than the revival. SmackDown's second second call up of the night uh, was the one that made me legitimately jump out of my chair. I was yeah. so excited. I really liked the way that they well so, slid into it. So let's set up. Let's so Miz comes out. Miz and Miz and Maurice come out dressed as Cena and Nikki Bella. And I think they actually got some people to think it was Cena and Nikki. At first, I even <laughs> thought it was Cena and Nikki. I, Nikki, not so much. Right. Miz from a distance lo- does look kind of like he's got Cena. the mannerisms down. He's hit it perfectly, and then they did the up close, and I was like, "This is fabulous." Yeah, uh, is it, it was good is to it, get one more is it run weird, out of that. Is it weird that sometimes that I think some of the funniest bits that WWE can do are when wrestlers are impersonating other wrestlers? No, I mean, there's a long tradition of that. I mean, it's so it's. More often than not, it's really, really good. Yeah. Especially if the one doing the impersonation has a ton of charisma, which The Miz does. So yeah. it works out beautifully. So they come out. They basically confirm that uh, Cena and Bella are gone, which is so weird. Um, like, Well, I think everyone everything, knows what's going on. Right. Like, it's, eh, it's whatever. Regardless of that, they come out, they do that, and then they show the lone violinist. Lee England Jr. standing at the edge of the ramp, and everybody who's been watching NXT for six months knows completely what's going on, which was, I think, just about everybody in that crowd. Um, didn't even need to play a note before they knew what was going on. Flashes Flashing back to the like, NXT Brooklyn. Uh, like, the camera panned over to him, and I people were probably thinking I was going to go to a commercial or something, so they weren't paying attention, and then you just you heard it ripple. Like the the front row saw him, and then people started looking over, and then the crowd got really loud, and then he started playing, and it was he started just... playing, and Miz just looked confused in the ring, and then the 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 arena goes dark, and you hear that first note of Rising Sun, mm. and the 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 roof blew off the place, like that was the loudest pop of between Raw and SmackDown, I would I would say. Yeah. Now the only thing, and this is. Just, you're probably gonna say what I had in mind. Too. The promoter side of my brain, there was no interaction between Miz and Shinsuke. If you're gonna, you have the most eyes you're arguably ever gonna have on SmackDown this year on this episode. Why not do something, a little thing, to make them want to see these two guys? next week now i want to pose this to you because we don't have any idea what the superstar shakeup is going to be are they afraid to do that because maybe ms and maurice are headed to raw i could see that nakamura is not going anywhere there's no reason you debut him on right. smackdown to have him go to raw the next week same with anybody who just got called up they're on their brand they're safe right. they're not moving but i, I did th- hear the rumor that aj is going to go to raw which make even which, that after he explicitly stated, <laughs> I want to stay here. Well, that's I. Well, well, that's the thing too is that you could look at it as 
there's a couple of different directions they could go with that. I would like to see AJ stay on SmackDown, but if you're going to bring Nakamura over and you want him to be a big deal, he could slide right into AJ's spot. And True. you know Nakamura can have class matches with anybody. I just hope that um, Nakamura Ty Dillinger get... for the for the championship. <laughs> Let's just book it now. I just hope SmackDown doesn't just get eroded. I, I they they had a lighter roster than Raw, which is understandable. They had right. one less hour, but if you take away AJ, that's huge. Especially Cena's a, gone now. You can't take away AJ without replacing him, or at least putting somebody kind of but who in can return. Replace him, Rollins. Rollins. But I mean, I don't know. They, <laughs> I don't know. And um, I, well, that's what I'm saying. If you look at how the, the WWE other... has booked people, Rollins and Styles are probably pretty comparable. So you can swap them. You get two different character changes. Here's what I think is actually probably going to happen um, with with the superstar shakeup. Styles stays on SmackDown. Gallows and Anderson come to SmackDown. They, regardless of which brand they end up on, the club will be on the same brand. Right. Finn's not leaving Raw. Right. So Two leaders get the, of the club, club away from Raw. Put him on SmackDown with AJ. We don't know if AJ has just made a face turn or not. Felt like he did. Kind of felt like he did, but you knew that crowd was going to cheer for AJ anyway. So. But that doesn't mean the club has to be heels. Not necessarily. A couple of good brothers. Um I don't think they've been getting that much heel heat anyway, and AJ certainly hasn't. So, I mean, I think it's you could definitely build off of that, and I think people really want it anyways. They they want to see the real, like, actual... You know that those three have chemistry. No matter what they do, they have good chemistry. Yeah. They work really well together. You can work them together and not have it not get stale. I mean, there's a lot of good things you can do. I think they At end up on the At some point, you're going to have to pull the trigger on it. They kind of did, and then the draft happened, and it screwed everything up. Yeah. And now, see, and that's the thing, too, is then Finn and the club were on the same brand, and then Finn got hurt. Right. So it makes you wonder, would they ever have considered doing anything there? There's The connections between them are great. Eventually, I just want to see Finn and Styles, because I haven't seen it yet, and that would be a fabulous match. Yeah. But Now, the other thing is, back when they used to have the drafts, you could swap the world tag team champions and the WWE tag team champions. But I don't know if you can really do that now. You can't put the Raw tag team champions on SmackDown and take the Raw belts to SmackDown. Well, they would probably just switch and keep their... They would probably just swap the titles. But that means you have to trade both of them, which you'd kind of have to do anyways. But that's not going to happen. Hardys are too big on Raw. Although you could do some really interesting things. The women's titles, uh, the women's champions, I could see switching, but I don't see it happening either. Right. Naomi's, I, I heard I think Naomi's that Charlotte's headed over, and that's why she didn't go over. Charlotte's probably going to SmackDown, I think. Um, Becky Lynch is probably going to swap with her and go to Raw. I think she's run as far as she can on SmackDown. Um, I see Alexa Bliss going to Raw. Yeah. And I could see... Ooh, who would come back for Alexa? Because then at that point, I think Carmella stays on SmackDown. I think Natalia probably... Well, Natalia can move. Uh, Mickey James probably goes to Raw. I don't know. Are they going to call of intri- up Asuka? We don't actually know what could happen. I, I personally think they should call up Asuka and just have her as the champion. Yeah. And she ha- either has to give up the belt 
or I mean that would be the solution. She just you can't be on both. You got to give us the belt for you to leave. That's fine. I need new challenges. She drops the belt just willingly just cuz she needs to she's she's done with NXT. She's literally beaten everybody. Right. And then uh, bring her up undefeated. Yeah, exactly. Bring her up undefeated. You could do a really good run. She's clearly can play feet uh face or heel. You could have her go to Raw and have a program against Bailey again. I think it would work. Yeah. So, how far are we? Anyway? <laughs> how far over time are we? We are 16 minutes over, so that means we're going to wrap it up because we've been about 15 minutes over every time we've done this. All right, but right before we wrap up, I just want I, – because I want to go back to this episode next year. Right now, if you had to book the top three matches for WrestleMania 34 – at knowing what you know only at this point, what do you got? The Styles two, is the a two world title matches. Styles is in one of the world championship matches. Again. And I'm not saying that as a smart. I'm saying that because I think that's the natural progression. I'm not putting Nakamura in one of the championship matches just because I know they won't do that. So I don't know who you even it depends. That's the with this superstar shakeup next week, it's near impossible to predict any of this because I just need your predictions. Top three matches: the world title, the universal so title, assuming, and the big. Assuming Styles stays on SmackDown, I could really easily see Styles against Orton for the championship next year, or Styles against Wyatt for the championship next year. A lot of different directions they could go. With the lay of the land the way it is right now, I think those are both very possible matches. I I don't think you do Styles versus Cena again because we've already now seen it three or four times. Um, on the Raw side, I don't think Finn's going to be in the title picture as much as that pains me to say. Uh, they, they're going to like Roman too much. Roman's going to be in the championship match. I don't think there's any way around that at this point. Roman versus Rollins would, I think, probably be my safe bet. Assuming all things stay status quo. Otherwise, if my prediction, if my my point that Rollins and Styles switch places, just stick them in those matches. Rollins versus Orton, SmackDown Championship. Reigns versus Styles, which we've already seen, but it was a really good match. And there's been a lot of progression since then. That could be your Raw tag team, or your Raw Championship match. So that's two out of three. I don't know who to fill in that Undertaker spot. Who's Triple H going to beat up? Triple H is going to beat up Finn. Triple H versus Finn Balor at WrestleMania 34. I'm calling it now. Okay. Because he's always got to go against the top guy who's not in a championship. Now, he's also going to put him over. So it works out. See, there's a lot of... um... Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens are a tag team. You think? (laughs) No. That won't (laughs) last that long. They can't book that long. No, I think eventually Kevin Owens is going to have to turn face because he's so over. He's such a good heel, though. He is. Although, to be fair, as I've learned, good heel means you get booed. So he's very good at acting like a heel, but he really doesn't seem to be great at being a heel because he's just too over. But that's also the climate. We're in a very Attitude Era climate where the bad guys are the good guys, especially if you're Razor Ramon. (laughs) So what I would say is I, f- I really feel like they're going to try to do something with Braun. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be Lesnar versus Roman again 
for the Universal or the World title, one of the two. And I don't know if they try to throw Braun into that and make it a three-way or not, but I feel like we're going to see that. That's where we're heading. I think on the other show, we see... I'm not Orton. I don't think he'll be able to sustain it that long. No, but he could easily go down and come back up. That's true. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I don't see him being champion for a year, but I could see him being in the championship picture again come WrestleMania. They love Orton. You know what? I would like to see Rollins versus AJ for the other world title. So you have one that's like all powerhouses and that stuff, and then you have one that's like the best wrestlers. Big Haas versus smaller guys or for your two different match types. Right. And uh, and then I think that maybe the third one, Triple H versus Kurt Angle. I could see that. They're both in authority figures on the same show. One's loved, one's hated. Well, we'll see how that changes over the course of the year. Because if you don't think Kurt Angle's going to do some heelish things over the next year, I don't know if you know Kurt Angle. I don't... I mean... <laughs> Although, I don't know that's if it's, not how, that's not how you spell soft. I don't know if uh, it's nostalgia or what, but I just I feel like Kurt Angle's just he can't be not entertaining. I agree. It just him just looking at him, you're like, oh, this is good, you know. You know, you're gonna get a good bit when he pops up on yeah. screen, regardless and, of whether it's intense or whether it's funny, no matter what it is, you know you're going to see a good segment when Kurt Angle's involved. If you put Stephanie or Shane or Mick Foley, they could do the same lines, but it'd be like, eh, whatever. But Kurt, and that's like huge pop. Anyway, I just want to get your predictions so we can come back to this episode and see how accurate we were. Of course, we we can't see the future. We don't know who's going to get pushed, who's going to get buried, who's going to get... Injured, who's going to get popped for drugs. It's not going to be Simon Gotch, <laughs> who was recently gonna... released by WWE. Unless he does the all-time greatest comeback. It's, unless unless he goes sink. broken and gets popular and then they re-sign him. The broken vaudevillain. <laughs> Oi. Um, all right, that is it for us this week. Um, it, do you have any confirmed wrestling on the, uh, on the horizon? Yeah, this Saturday night I'll be in Dover, Delaware at the Delaware Agricultural Museum for Rampage Pro Wrestling. Saturday night, April 8th. April 8th. All right. Uh, plug, your, plug yourself on social media. Instagram and Twitter, at Lee Brando underscore Facebook, Lee Brando. All right. So uh, now I get to plug the show. Facebook.com slash Barricade Show. Twitter at Barricade Show. We are sound, We are also on SoundCloud.com slash Barricade Show. We are on iTunes. Just search over the Barricade Podcast. We are, as of this week, now on Google Play. Yay. So uh, search us on there if you don't have an iTunes account and you have an Android phone, device, whatever the case might be. Uh, search us on Google Play over the Barricade Podcast. You'll find our full stream. Uh, all of our episodes thus far, this being episode number three, all of our episodes are there. So Definitely go check that out. Leave us a uh, comment, review, uh, subscribe. We like those five-star reviews. If you can hand them out like Meltzer, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, man, what a wild, crazy world this uh, wrestling world is that we live in. A, a week ago, we didn't have the Hardys in our life, and they're back. Finn's crazy. back. Shinsuke's on SmackDown. The Perfect Ten is on SmackDown. And every top name in wrestling was in... One 30-mile radius. Yes, and the Hardys, just so we can point this out, wrestled four matches in four days. 
for three different promotions. They wrestled back-to-back ladder matches for tag team championships. Once they lost, and won the next night they won. The Hardys are our MVPs for the weekend. All right, so, so so play us out with some music, but I have a question for you while you play us out. I don't have music ready to play, so we're just going to have to go. Well, uh, do you remember that time that you were near unconscious and anesthetized on uh, propofol? And I asked you a question because I knew that you wouldn't remember it. I don't remember this time, so sure. And if you died in surgery, then I could deny it for the rest of my life. But you didn't die in surgery. And uh, basically what I asked you was, will you marry me? 